Right then, before I get told off for not chanting the Namaskar, mm -hmm. hmm? let's do that and continue with today's sermon. Namo tassa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhassa we are also going to make another opportunity available. This is important for our online listeners as well, which is why I chose to mention it here. Particularly to our audiences abroad. Particularly to those who struggle with Sinhala and for whom English is their first language. We understand that they have few opportunities compared to most of you, to solve and work through their problems through the Dhamma. And although you have the good fortune of visiting us at least once a week, most of them may not. You may have friends, you may have family who live abroad and for whom they, you know, they struggle with seeing others, or perhaps they don't have the luxury of listening to Guru Swami Mahasaya's sermons and so on. What we want to offer them is an opportunity to arrange an appointment with one of our Swami Mahasayas to discuss any life problems that they have, if they wish to do that, and how they can solve that problem, those problems using the Dhamma. Now, I would like to make this opportunity available to everyone and in fact to be fair it is because we've we started the group discussions a while back um, just after we started opening the gates after corona you know you have the opportunity to book appointments at the monastery I, i'm assuming you are aware of this right you can make appointments and come in and speak to us but this of course this opportunity of course has never been available to uh communities who live internationally. And I want to open this to all individuals, both Sinhala and English, but for the time being, we're going to open it up for anyone who wishes to discuss life problems, personal problems, so not necessarily the Dhamma. So not to discuss, this is not, these are not going to be Dhamma discussions, right? just to be clear. These are going to be issues, challenges, problems that they have in their lives, uh, you know, say someone wants to, you know, someone's having a problem, personal problem with, uh, say, their family, or maybe someone's feeling suicidal, and they want to, they want some help. Okay, we want to make that available to them. The, I think that's the, that's the best we can do for them. In the given moment, so in future, as in from today onwards, this opportunity is available to you, those of you who are listening to us, and if any, anyone here. You wish to inform your families, please do so. They can perhaps maybe your children who wish to make use of that opportunity, they can do so. All they need to do is contact uh, the Charity Trust or Harsha Mahathya, Mr. Harsha, 
and arrange an appointment. Or they can drop an email to our email address and the opportunity will be offered to them to book an appointment and speak to one of our Sami Nazis who will be able to help them work through that problem in English. Okay? So from now on, that opportunity is available. So hopefully those who need it will make use of it. Right. <clears throat> Let's get to what we were discussing last week and continue from there on. Can you remind me what we talked about? I, I vaguely recall we discussed uh, the the way the vipakas take fruit through the eyes, ear, nose, tongue, body, and so on. Yeah, and we discussed the purpose of the five aggregates. Why there is the receiving, registering, recognizing, responding, and perceiving the purpose of these five aggregates. And a few questions have been coming in online. And when I look at those questions, it seems obvious to me that what I'm trying to convey has not been conveyed yet, which is fair enough, because I don't expect that the penny will drop in one or two talks. So this is going to take a while particularly to those who only listen to the English sermons and for those of you, for those of whom who don't have the opportunity that you have, which is to spend an entire day listening to this Dhamma to work things out. But that's okay, that's what we're here for, okay? What I want to show you today is let's first understand that everything we see around us is a process. Everything we see around us is a process. You're, you're all breathing right now, aren't you? Hopefully. Okay, with or without difficulty. You're all breathing right now. This is a process, isn't it? If you've had something to eat in the morning, perhaps you're digesting your food. That's a process. There's blood that's pumping through your veins, through the heart and throughout your body, and that's a process. You're thinking right now. You're hearing my voice. You're reflecting on what I'm saying. Do you appreciate that this is a process? What did you have for breakfast this morning? Now you're going back to memory. That's a process. It's the way everyone does this. Therefore, it's a process. So you and I will not have a different way, a different, you know, our own individual way of, say, for instance, looking at something. Because it's a process, it's the same thing, same way, over and over and over again. If you've been seeing things for the last hundred years, everyone saw things in the same way. There's a part of physiology that's important here. The eye, light, brain, right? All this, the wonderful biology that works in, on the inside. And then the mind gets involved as the brain translates or encodes the signal that it receives from the senses to the mind. And then the mind begins to go through the process of what we discussed earlier, receiving, registering, come on, recognizing, responding, 
and perceiving, right? So these five things have to happen. They can happen, may happen, or have to happen. They have to happen. They, they do happen and they have to happen. Without these five things happening, the process of seeing is not complete. Without the eye, you cannot see. Without the optic nerve, you cannot see. So these things, because they are a process, this process is not unique to one or two of you. It's common across the board. So therefore, seeing is a process. Would you all agree with me on that? Seeing is a process. So for every time you have seen in your life, whatever it is you might have seen, for however long you have been seeing, from birth to death, if ever you have seen, what's been running? A process. What about smelling? Process. Tasting? Process. Hearing? Process. And then feeling? Tactile sensations? Process. And likewise, thinking? Process. Right? That's why when I ask you to think about something, you can't not think about it. Because if you kick a process off, then the process has to run. Right? If it's a predetermined process, it has to run. Right? I ask you to think about this pen. Now stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about this pen. Can you? No, because I've kicked, started the process. Therefore, you can't stop thinking about this pen right now. Right? You know, yesterday morning, see, <laughs> when you left home this morning, right, you remember when you walked up your door and you opened it and then closed the door and then locked it? Stop thinking about it now. You can't. So it's, you understand that thinking is a process. So, you know, if you think about it then, seeing, smelling, tasting, hearing, touch, and thinking, all six of these things are processes. So what are you, if not the aggregation of a multitude of processes? So really, are you man or machine? Have you watched the film Terminator? It's the first scary movie I watched. I have a very fond memory of it. I remember the watching Terminator today, to, to this day, because that's the day I learned uh, the stanza, Set Siridena Mahaguna Mudana. Do you know why? I had trouble falling asleep. <laughs> and uh, I was having nightmares. So my mother, I ran <laughs> to my mother, I was so scared having watched it. You know, now the Terminator comes out of the fire. Yeah, remember that part, if you've seen it? And it, was, it just, you know, shocked me to the core. I was, you know, just a young kid. I shouldn't have watched it. <laughs> it was too early. And that's the day I learned that stanza. <laughs> and I remember it to this day. So when I, when I went to my mother and said, I can't fall asleep, and I was crying. And she sat me down and she asked me to learn that stanza. And uh, at the end of that, I think that's how I, was, I managed to go to sleep. Little did I know the power of what was actually in that stanza, right? So, the Terminator, 
Is that man or machine? Machine? Yeah, why do you say that's a machine? Answer carefully. You're telling me that's not man, that's machine, right? Why do you say that's a machine? Hmm? Because it's an aggregation of processes, right? And energy is consumed for those processes to be executed, right? And therefore you say it's a machine. Transformers. You've seen transformers? Yeah, those robots. Right? Give a name of you. Hmm? Bumblebee. Optimus Prime. Megatron. Hmm? I can't, what's that with the? Star what? Star Scream. Oh, Deceptopod. Thank you. No. He knows we don't know. Shame on us. Thank you, sir. Right? So, that one, whatever that was. Star Squid, yeah? Star Squid? Star Squid. Right, so that guy. So, these are all machines. We know this because these are their processes. They do consume energy, but they're processes, right? So, you say they're machines, not man. What about you guys? Hmm? Seeing, smelling, tasting, hearing, touch, thinking. And don't they consume energy? Why do you put stuff through those holes in your, in your faces? Because hmm? that's the only way you can actually put energy into, this, into these machines. There's no other orifice in your body into which you can put stuff that can give you energy. Every other orifice is something that takes stuff out of your body. Right? So the only place you can put stuff into your body to put, give you energy is the hole that you have in, the, in your faces. So that's the way you put energy into it, and energy is consumed to execute and to run these processes. So what are you, man or machine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so the mind is also what? Okay, right, so the mind, we say, the mind can think. Hmm? So there's a mind, therefore, we feel that we are different to other machines, right? Okay, um, let's see how the mind works. Now, I tell you, this is an elephant. You can hear it, but your mind won't allow you to process that as an elephant. Will it? Can you, can you try and force yourself to think of this as an elephant? No, so isn't the mind a process? Isn't thinking a process? Because you can't change that process. If you know that this is a pen, now you can't stop yourself from thinking that this is a pen. Today is what day of the week? Saturday, right? Shall we stop? Uh, no, no, I'm not going to fall for that again. <laughs> oh, no, we don't make the same mistake. Right? Oh, no. No, no. Right? Okay, let's, shall we all start calling today Monday? Hmm? Can you try and convince yourself that today is Monday? Can you? Why? You, all you have to do is think. So think then. Come, on, think that today is Monday. Right? Okay, let's count the days of the week then. Hmm? Monday, Sunday, huh? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Mon Monday. Hmm? 
What what color is the sky? Okay, let's all please think that it's black. Okay, so what color is the sky? Yeah, but you have to think that though. You can't just say it's black. If I were to, if I were to telepathically look at your mind, you have to be thinking that it's black, and not thinking it's blue. But because I asked you, you know, the answer comes to your mind that it's blue, and then you, you know, immediately convert. I have to say black now, so I, I might as well. I should probably say black, and then you say black. But the answer comes to you without effort by default that the uh, that the sky is blue, doesn't it? So can you can you stop thinking that way? Can you stop thinking that way? If 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 changing thinking patterns were so easy, hmm, then why do they need counseling when people get into problems? Do you agree? Yeah. Why do people need counseling if changing thinking patterns were so easy? People get addicted to drugs. Now we are doing a whole thing about helping people try to come out of those addictions. Yeah, we're working really hard on that and. Very soon we're going to start something so that we can help so many people out there who we know have become slaves to their thinking patterns. Because they don't know that their thinking patterns have been hijacked. They don't know that. They think this is the way it is and this is the way it will always be. They don't feel empowered to change the outcomes of their lives. Like they feel that they're the slaves of their choices. <clears throat> choices that they may have, may not, may have or may not have made, you know, in, in a sane mind. Perhaps they were influenced, manipulated on some occasions. So addictions, right? Someone's addicted to something. It can be anything. Biting their fingernails. That's an addiction. Drugs, alcohol, smoking. Pornography. Hmm? These are things that people can get addicted to. If you may have perhaps had, have had to have a conversation, maybe with a child of yours, right, when you realize that they're addicted to something, okay, was, it, was saying once enough? Well, all they had to do was change their thinking habit, change their thinking pattern, right? Buddha, stop smoking. Okay. And from since then, it's not smoked. Usually, that's not the way it works. Son, that watching that stuff is not good for you. Right? Don't watch that again. Okay. And they never watched it. Did it work like that? No. If they did, all parents will have, would be able to have a good night's sleep. Right? But you know that you can't. You know that every night you sleep easy is a night you'll have to stay awake. Because every night you think you can sleep easy is a night your children may be awake, getting up to something. And then that's a night you'll have to pay by staying awake another night. That's the way it works. Why? Because these are processes. Because once a process is designed to run a certain way, and once you click the start button, it's going to run the same way, unless the process is altered. So again, I ask the question, are you man or are you machine? Mm -hmm. 
really what I'm asking you with that question is, aren't you but the aggregation of a number of processes? If you can't change the way you see, because seeing is a process, if you can't change the way you hear, can you stop hearing this? Stop. Don't hear me do this. Don't hear these steps. Go on. Hmm? I challenge you. Stop. Stop hearing this. Why can't you stop it? Because it's a process. That's why. Because it's not you doing it. It's a process. Keep your eyes open and stop seeing me. You say, ah, but Swaminas, I can close my eyes. Ah, but that's because you're altering the process. The only way that you can stop seeing is if you alter the process. The only way that you can stop hearing is if you alter the process. And the only way that you can stop thinking the way you do right now is if you alter the process. Therefore, I mean, it's like a machine. Like what happens if a, a virus gets into your computer? What does a virus do? It alters the process. So once the process is altered, right, or even a bug in a software code that alters the process, you, have, you intend it to do something, it does something else. Right? Then the process is altered, and then you don't get the desired outcome. So then what do you have to do? If, you, if, you, if your computer gets infected by a virus, what do you do? Pick it up and thrash it on the floor? Does that fix the problem? Throw it out the window? Slam it with a hammer? No, what do you do? Hmm? Yeah, you clean it up. You get an antivirus program, stick it in there, and what does the antivirus program do? It scans the, pro it scans the computer to find this malicious bit of software, and it removes it. In doing so, what, it is, what does it do? Restore the process. That's what it does. If you hit the print button and no paper is coming out of the printer, what do you do? Swear at it? I'm going to tear your new page, you plumbing printer. Print. Although I've seen people do that. No, they have, yes. That's when people don't realize that it's a process. So what do you do when your printer doesn't give you paper? What are some of the things you would do normally? First, you might walk up to the printer and see if there's enough paper in it. Why do you need to check whether there's paper in there? Why? That's right, because for the process to complete, there's an input that needs to go into that, and that is paper. Perhaps the printer's door has not been shut properly. Right? So the panel that you have to shut, so then you walk up to see if it's shut properly. Maybe the printer's not connected properly. Maybe you don't have the drivers installed properly. Yeah? See, or oh, maybe the printer's not plugged in. See, you go and check what, which part of the process is not working properly, and therefore you fix it, and then it starts working again. Was that magic? What was it? Come on, you know the word. Was it magic? No, then what was it? Was logic. Thank you. It was logic. What are you all then? Magic? Hmm? You like, do you like to think of yourself like that? I'm just a bundle of magic. Huh? You might feel of yourself in that way, but... Really, you're just logic. Every part of you is logic. That's why doctors can fix you when you break. 
That's why I can fix you. Because you're right now, you're broken. The mental part is broken. The physical part, I don't need to worry about. You know what to do about it. You're here because you understand that your thinking pattern is a process which can be altered. Accepted? Otherwise, you wouldn't be here, right? If you are going to think the way you are forever, why do you come here? If the way you think cannot be changed, why have you come here today? You're here because you have given me the opportunity to change the way you think. Am I right or wrong? There you go. You have allowed me to do surgery on your mentality. This is surgery. I'm opening it up, right? And I'm trying to find the part that is so the, the uh, what do you call it? Hmm? Fine tune. The what? Fine tune. The uh, Yeah, I'm trying to fine tune it. I'm also trying to find the, the part that's gone wrong with it. So I'm trying to find the virus. I'm trying to help you find the, the, the Trojan, the Trojan horse, right? So we can, we can take it out. And then once that's been taken out, that's it. I don't need to do anything else. The remainder of the process works just fine. So I don't need to teach you how to think from start, from scratch. All I need to do is find the part of the process that has gone wrong and fix that part. Now, on the topic of processes, there are actually two processes, mainly, which run inside of your minds. We talked about we talked about one last week, where the eye, the ear, nose, tongue, body, and mind. They feed sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, and memories. Yeah, we talked about this. They initiate the mental process, which leads to perception. You know the five things above that, right? So receiving, registering recognizing, responding, and perception, right? Culminating in this. This is one process. <clears throat> this process is just fine. Okay? This is how you perceive things. You know when something is put in, in front of your ear or your eye or your nose or your tongue because this process works. Not because you want it to work. Right? Not because... You like it to work. That's why you can't stop someone. You can't stop hearing when you say someone wants to shout at you. Someone is shouting at you and you don't like it. Why do you ask them to stop? Huh? If you don't like them shouting, then what should you do? Stop hearing it. Wouldn't that be a better proposal? If you don't like someone shouting at you, then stop hearing it. But can you stop hearing it? No, why? It's a process. The thing is this, though. So you try and stop the other person. But that is also a process. You know, he's shouting at you because he's got a mental process that has become agitated. It's vexing. And now there's a vexation-releasing process that's going on. Right? So you can't stop your process. But you have the audacity 
to dare someone else, huh? to ask someone else to stop their process. How dare you? What do you say? Yeah? That's the thing. So, you know, once you understand that these are all processes, you begin to accept them with equanimity. You begin to understand, you begin to appreciate the world with equanimity. You have a question, sir? With AI? Oh, we'll, we'll talk about that on another day. Okay? Good question. It, I was wondering why that came to my mind. Just before you asked the question, something came to my mind. Maybe I should talk about AI and then you, <laughs> you ask the question. Another day. Another day. Okay? But ask me that question another day. So, perception. This process, we don't need to worry about. Why do we not need to worry about this? Because? Because what? Because what? It doesn't create suffering. Or jati, which is the word we have now come to use, right? We are not interested, certainly not in this room, while we are here at this monastery, in this time here, the time that we spend here, we are not interested in any process that does not generate suffering. Why do we feed you when you come to the monastery? Hmm? We give you a broth in the morning if you come early, then you get afternoon meal, then you get a roti or something before you leave. Why do we feed you? Why do we run that process? Because? Because what? Yes, because you are suffering. Because you're suffering. Physically, you're suffering. Why do we have aircon in this room? Otherwise, you'd be suffering. Why do we have a roof? You're suffering. Why do we have chairs so you can sit down? Because you're suffering. So you realize that everything we do here is to help you free yourselves, alleviate suffering, right? But all those things that I just mentioned, you can do fine just on your own. You don't need my help for that. You don't need the Mahasanga, the Dhamma, or the Buddha for that. But there are some things that you need refuge of the Noble Triple Gem. There's a particular kind of suffering to free yourself from which you need refuge of the Noble Triple Gem. If you're hot, you need refuge of the Noble Triple Gem, no, you need refuge of the air conditioner. If your legs are aching, right, you don't need refuge of the noble triple gem, you need a chair so you can sit down. If you're hungry, you take refuge in rice and curry. Yeah? And if you're feeling unwell, then you take refuge in medicines. But if you're mentally suffering, then there's only one thing you can take true refuge in, and that is the noble triple gem. What the noble triple gem helps you do is identify your mental processes and help you realize that there are two processes that run in parallel, one of which is just fine. The other is problematic. What we help you do is to stop the problem-causing process. It's not this one. It's the other one. Let me show you the other one. It starts off... Yes. It starts out with ignorance. It starts out with ignorance. Sorry. It starts out with ignorance, which then leads to 
attachment which then leads to fixation right so by that point by that point you've realized that there's a problem do i need to go any further for you to realize there's a problem now no because what is vexation it's suffering it's mental suffering right this process is the process that we have a problem with not this process this is the sen sensual world the sensual world is perceived through this process that's process 1 this is process 2 these two processes run in parallel i have explained to you in the past that when this goes on you have the mind which arises and passes away in this fashion these are all individual chittas okay this process runs in parallel to this so this is process 1 right as you can see here but process 2 runs parallel to this what happens ignorance in the mind creates attachment and oh thankfully i have another pen today fixation all we are trying to do is to rinse the mind of this process the problem is the fact that it's based in ignorance that's why you're here you can't remove yourself from ignorance you can every once in a buddha sasana by becoming the buddha himself like that's how you can do it yourself but all other times except for if you become a silent buddha or a pachaka buddha you need help to free yourself or remove this ignorance from your mind in the presence of ignorance the mind always looking for happiness is of the expectation that this happiness is received from this these sensual objects that come that it comes into contact with So here's what happens when the mind thinks that this the, the sensual world sight sound smell taste touch and so on that come from the outside world bring along with it happiness and pleasure okay the mind now starts to set that expectation on that that expectation is what attachment is and when that expectation takes place now the mind is vexing you understand this sensation of vexation right when the mind is yearning for something and it doesn't have it now it's in in that vexation mode and then to relieve itself from vexation the mind has to do something it's like a pressure cooker which is under a lot of pressure to relieve itself from vexation the mind goes into what mode insanity mode insanity mode okay which is the follow on from vexation in pali we call it abhisankara the english word for is formations which i'm not very fond of um so i'm going to call it abhisankara 
Abhisankara. Abhisankara, or the English word for that being formation, is what the mind goes through. You see this, this red line? It is the making of that red line. It's the making of that red line, the creation process of that red line. What happens is the mind goes into insanity. The mind goes mad. The mind goes mad. And now the mind begins to experience a pleasure that it didn't get, but although it expected from these outside world experiences. Simple examples help us prove this point. You may tell me that this decoration that you see here looks good. Some of you will agree, some of you will not agree. For those who are ignorant, in other words, for those who believe that this is what beauty looks like, for them this is beautiful. That's why they say beauty lies in the eyes of the beholder. It really doesn't lie in the eyes of the beholder, but rather it lies in the mind of the beholder. You have a version of beauty. That's why you all look so different. That's why your makeup kit is so different from each other's. That's why when you stand in front of the mirror, right, you do different things to yourselves. You're all very different from each other because this is your version of beauty. How do I know what your version of beauty is? All I have to do is look at your faces. Uh, who has, who's the prettiest of them all? Hmm? <laughs> exactly. Huh? The prettiest of them all is? Yeah, is yourself. That's why the cosmetics industry exists and also is such a lucrative business because different people want different things. So there's always enough people to make happy, always enough people to, to satisfy. It's not like, you know, it's one size fits all. Everyone's different because ignorance is different for, every, for everyone. Now, we talked about the self previously. How does it all connect here? There is a kind of ignorance which lies deep down, way below the, the, the ignorance of this sensual world is beautiful, pleasurable, and so on. Right? Now we are not talking about just, just the sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, but we are something, we talk about something more intimate, something more primal, something more basic, something more fundamental. And that is this ignorance about separation. You recall from last week's talk that the reason we have these things, right? These processes, there are also processes in the mind, receiving, registering, recognizing, responding, and perception. The reason that these processes are, are available is because the mind wants to separate. Because it's these things that helps the mind to separate. Uh, if you weren't able to receive, you wouldn't be able to separate. If you weren't able to register something, you wouldn't be able to separate. Just take simple examples. You know, you have the school attendance register. What does that help you do? Hmm? Separate, right? Yeah, so because, you know, if you have, say, 20 children in the classroom, your register is a record that tells you that there are 20 separate individuals in the classroom. That is what a register does. 
And if you're receiving something, isn't that a process that is required to separate individuals and entities from each other? Like one, two, three, four. See, you're receiving. Without receiving, you can't register them. What about recognizing? Why, when does the, 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 the process or the ability to recognize, when does it become helpful? Why do you need the process of recognizing? To separate things, isn't it? You know that this is a blue pen and this is a red pen. How? Because you can recognize a blue pen from a red pen. Isn't, see, now recognizing is necessary for you to be able to separate. If you didn't have the power of recognition, in other words, if you lost your memory, would you be able to tell one person from the other? No. Would you be able to tell the difference between those things? No. So your power of recognition helps you to distinguish between two objects. In other words, to separate two things. See, again, that's what separation or recognition helps you do. Responding. You know that this is a, an eraser and this is a pen. You know that this is used to write and this is used to erase. What does that help you do again? Separate, see? You know tea from milk, don't you? Yeah, what does that help you do? Separate. That's how you can then go on to have preferences. You separate entities in this world. So these things help you to separate. And this is the entire thing packed up into one nice, neatly packed package. Perception. Your perception is the ultimate of all of those things. All these components help you to separate entities in this world. Why do we do this? Because we exist to separate. We have this dying urge to identify ourselves as separate individuals from everyone else. We are so obsessed with our identity. And now, when, I, when you hear me say this, you, you, know, you may have this notion that I'm, I'm a socialist person, I, or I have a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a leftist, <laughs> right? and I'm, I'm actually talking about, you know, let's all be a community, live in peace and harmony. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm talking about something much, much more primal, much, much more basic and fundamental. This separation is not about, you know, separations, race, creed, right, religion. That is not the separation I'm talking about. But all that separation is ultimately based in this fundamental separation. So you see, people will talk about, why do we separate ourselves? Why can't we all live together in harmony? Why do we have you know, different uh, races? Why, why are we so aware of different races and why do we discriminate? Hmm? People will have heard about it. And sometimes, you know, you may even speak up against it. I remember when I, was, when I used to be in the... Uh, what do you call it, the junior United Nations thing back then. I, I used to stand up on stage and, and talk to people and say, why do we, you know, why can't we all live in peace and harmony? Right? Why can't the Muslims get along with the Christians? Why can't the Christians get along with the Buddhists? Why can't the Buddhists get along with the Hindus? Why can't the Tamils get along with the Sinhalese? Right? As I'm saying this, I'm already separating them. You know, I'm guilty of my own accusation. Do you see how I'm guilty of my own accusation? Why can't the Tamils get along with the Sinhalese? See, already I've separated the two. 
And then I'm saying, now that we've separated them, why don't we get, put them back together again? It's like Humpty Dumpty. Now we want to try and put them back, back together again. But why do I see them as separate entities? That's the thing. Yeah, because we got it wrong. Right at the fundamentals, right at the bare roots, at the grassroots level, we've got it wrong. That is the separation I'm talking about. That separation is flawed. You know, we talk about women's rights, right? And we, t and we talk about, you know, they should have equal rights. The moment you say, you know, even a woman, she stands on stage and says, women should have equal rights. The moment she says that, she's already separated women from men. That separation, she's already drawn the line. So these are women, these are men, and now they should have equal rights. Now, I know this will sound crazy to some people. They'll think, I've gone mad. You know, walk into a mental hospital and tell a patient, you're mad. What's he going to say? Hmm? Takes one, too? <laughs> That's what he'll say. I know this sounds so crazy. Hopefully you guys are, you know, we are in the same camp here, right? Otherwise you'll think, you know, every Saturday we go to this mental asylum, right? We go to see some patients there and we sit down, we talk with them, or at least we listen to what they say and we give them some, some food and we give them some clothes right? and we come back, right? Is that what you say with your, with your families and your friends when you see them? Huh? Every Saturday we go to this mental asylum in Ingria. <laughs> <laughs> this separation, this sense of this notion of separation runs deep down into our core. What is our core? Our thoughts. Our thoughts are our core. Right at the thought level, see, each thought thinks of the other thought as a separate individual. Even thoughts separate one another from each other. At that level, let alone you are different from I. With no understanding that it's all a process. You know, answer this question for me. Taking a deep breath. That's right. Let go. All right, take another one. All right, and relax. All right. What's the difference between those two instances of breathing in and breathing out? What's the difference between those two things? It's the same thing. The only thing you might be able to say is, I did one before, the one I did after that. You might even be able to give me a time. But what we've already discussed about time, haven't we? That time is a fabrication. It's a fabrication to explain a world in which people want to separate things. So this happened yesterday, this happened today, right? When you want some relative connection between two things and you already established that this is the right moment. Now in relation to this moment, that was yesterday, this is tomorrow. Other than that, there is no requirement for time. In a, in a world where the mind does not exist, there is no need for time. Yeah? Now, those two breaths were exactly the same. The, the, processes was, the processes were exactly the same. 
it achieves the same thing. In the same way, thoughts arise to achieve the same thing. See, when I make this noise, the same thought arose in each of you until it got to the level of mental analysis. What I mean by that is this. You know, it's all the same on one level. There is some separation on another level. Let me explain what I mean by that. This sound will conjure in your minds sometimes different things. So, for example, some of you, if, if perhaps you like music, right? When I, when I do that, in your mind, you're probably thinking, ah, oh, jazz. Right? Some of you may be thinking, that's, that's the noise my teacher makes in classroom when she wants, when she wants to wake me up. Someone else might be thinking, that's when, you know, when my father's angry, right? That's the noise he makes with his cane. Right? You'll have different thoughts. But that's, again, there's a process that runs inside each of our minds, which goes into memory banks and bring various kinds of stuff. At that level, we're all the same again. Different things will come back from memory, but the fact that you go into memory is all the same. So see, for instance, if I ask you to bring me um, a tea, and I'll ask you all to you know, make me a cup of tea, I can vouch that each cup of tea you make will be different from each other. Right? Because you have all learned to make tea a different way. Right? And perhaps because, you're, because of your deep devotion to Swami Nahanse, whereas if you made a cup of tea, you'll put in half a teaspoon of sugar, right? Because you're so fond and so you, you so love the Swami Nuhansi, what would you do? You put in 20 teaspoons of sugar. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay? So, 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 but besides, besides that, right, you, you all have different ways of making tea and every tea cup you bring here will be different. But having said that, You'll all have gone through the same process to make tea. I don't mean the recipe for the tea. I mean the process for making tea. In other words, heard the word tea. That conjured a picture of tea in your mind. Then you went into memory and checked, how do I make tea? What is the recipe for tea? And then that was brought back from, from memory. And then that process was executed in your mind. Your arms started to work. Your fingers started to work. Your legs started to work. Your feet started to work. You walked up to the kettle, put in the water, kept it on the, on the stove. And, you know, all that started to work in the same way. So, so that process is the same for all of you, although the recipe is different. I'm talking about that raw process. It is the same for all of us. So if it's the same for all of us, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, right, hearing, feeling, thinking, if it is all the same for all of us, how are we so different from each other? Is there a difference between each other? Or is it only a perceived difference? It's only a perceived difference. This perceived separation that we have from each other is the culprit. How does that work? There's an ignorance that is based at the root level of our mind that this separation is good. 
separation is good. You have this thought in the back of your mind that separation is good. However much you say no, Swami so say, you know, I'm all about unity. We're all one. We're all one people. We're all one nation. Right? What's that slogan? One country, one people, one nation. Huh? What else? Huh? One Aragale. Was it? Was it? There's one race, one blood, huh? one mother, huh? all sorts of one, oneness, right? See, even when you say we are all one people, you are, you know, there's, a, there's another people in some other country, they're not us. But we are all one people. Then there's another kind of people, they're not us. We are one people. Right? So, you know, when you say we are one people, what you're saying is, you know, you, 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 and I, we're all one people. So again, you've separated. That's why deep down inside, you can't help yourself from individualizing yourself because that is part of your firmware. It's part of who you are. It's part of your thought process. It can be changed and it needs to be changed. But right now, it's part of your, it's part of your firmware. This firmware needs to be debugged. You can't stop yourself from feeling that you are a separate individual to the person sat next to you. Look at your, your hand for a second. Whose hand is it? Can you stop yourself from thinking that it's not your hand and it's just a hand? No, hmm? <laughs> it's my hand. This is my right hand, this is my left hand. Right? So if someone touches your hand, you, don't you feel a bit funny, you know, awkward, maybe you know, uncomfortable? That's because someone else has touched my hand. But if you touch your two hands together, that's all right. right? But you know, say, perhaps when you were younger, I don't know, maybe it still happens. <laughs> right? So if you're a girl and a guy touches your hand, you know, it sends a, sends a shock. Right? Oh, but, you know, say if you're a guy and another guy touches your hand, perhaps it sends another different kind of shock. You know, culturally, that's a very, there are lots of differences there. I remember when I was younger and I used to go to college, you know, when I first went to England, and, you know, over here, we are so, you know, we are so open and so, you know, so relaxed among guys, right? But there it's not like that. You gotta be very careful who you put your arm around. <laughs> so, you know, I treated someone I thought who was my friend there. He was, but not up to that level. <laughs> right, so, you know, I thought he was my good friend. His name was uh, Tom. And, you know, I put my arm around him and I said, hey, Tom, mate, you know, how are you doing? He's like, whoa, you know, I'm not into that. <laughs> So that sent a different kind of sh shock down his spine. See, but why that difference? Because, you know, he felt that he was a separate individual, I'm a separate individual, so our hands touching each other, you know, made him very uncomfortable. Because we have this separation. And that separation is the outcome of a process, this process that is flawed. That is the process, this process number two. Which is what brings about every different kind of suffering that you go through right now. I've mentioned several times to all of you, you are aging. 
right? Pretty soon, things will stop working. Things will start breaking, things will start falling apart. Starting from your eyesight, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Hmm? Right? Then your sense of hearing, right? Then your ability to stand up straight, right? Then your knees, then your bowels, hmm? then your lungs, then your liver, your kidneys, right? Then your heart, and finally your brain. Right? These things will, will, start, will, will start to stop working as they do in, in due course. And it's, it's, it has started happening for most of you, and it will continue. And it, at, at an increasing rapidity, it will continue to happen. Right? And at that point, if you are unable to stop feeling that, this is happening to me because of this process, which is individualizing, personalizing this process, yeah, you're in for some big trouble. You're in for some big trouble. Because when those things start to happen within you, this, this body, which you think, which you are now saying so, you know, so boldly, this is a machine, Swami Nansa, not man, this is a machine. Huh? You, are, you can say that right now, but let's see when the machine starts, starts to break and starts to fall apart, whether you'll be able to say it, you know, with a straight face, just like you do. Look at your parents, for instance. Of course, they don't like to accept, yeah? They don't like to accept. Because this mental image that they have of them is very different. They hold, they cling on to a different kind of physical me. So they don't like to accept that this is starting to break, this is starting to fall apart. That's what I'm saying. We need to, we need to do something about this before all hell breaks loose. Before everything starts falling apart. Because by that point, you know, if once you start losing this sense, once you start losing this sense, once you start losing the ability to keep yourselves upright, you won't be able to bring yourselves into this mental asylum. Hmm? To, to hear this madman talk. Will you? Once it starts happening, you won't be able to do that. So what we need to do is to try and stop this process. To stop this process, we just need to do one thing. What is all this based in? Ignorance, see? What is ignorance? Ignorance is not knowing the truth. What is the truth? <laughs> the truth is what I'm telling you right now. This is the truth. The four noble truths. The four noble truths are the truths. So understanding the truths is the only way you can free yourself from ignorance. Understanding that you cannot separate entities. We talked about manifestation last week. Remember? Right? All of these things are manifestations. I talked, I talked about the example of the bird flying formation. We watched the video last week, you recall? That, that formation gave you a really good, strong example of manifestation and what that means. Nothing is fixed. It's just the way that things manifest at this moment in time. What makes you made someone else a, a while ago, some time back, maybe a few hundred years back, a few thousand years back? What makes you today will make someone else. Perhaps will make an animal or maybe a tree or a bird or a bee, you know, at some point in the future. So really what makes you is not wholly, entirely, and, you know, it's not written in your name. 
it's only temporarily manifesting as what you can see today right now. So nothing is you fixed and permanently. Everything is in a transient state. The way that we separate things are purely based on our projections on the world. I, I used the example last week and I want to remind you this again. How many roads are there in Sri Lanka? One? Really? How come? Hmm? How many roads are there in Sri Lanka? Right? How many roads in Colombo? Huh? Baseline Road, Gregory's Road, what more do you have? Flower Road, huh? Gold Road, Candy Road, Jaffna Road. Hmm? How many roads are there in Sri Lanka? How many roads? How many roads? Only one road. Why? Because you are one nation, right? One nation, one road. Huh? That, is our, that is our vision. One nation, one road. Huh? Or the road to hell. Is that the road I'm talking about? No. You see, you could draw the road map of Sri Lanka. It will go all something like this, from like this, and this, this is Sri Lanka. Right? Or something like Sri Lanka. Right? These are all the roads. Okay? Right? Now, these are all connected to each other. There's no road that stands like this with no way of getting to it. Right? So every road is interconnected. Therefore, it's all one road. Right. Then answer this question for me. I'm supposed to leave, let you go at 11.30 today. Now you've got five minutes. Right. There's a road. Okay. A man walks. A man's walking. Right? There's a road. A man's walking. Where's he going? Where's he going? On the road. Okay, but where is he going? Not what is he going on. Where is he going? Where is he going? Nowhere. What is he approaching? Or where is he approaching? Destination. Which is? What is he walking away from? You can't answer this question. Why? Because I have not marked anything on the road. Right? Let's say he's blind. Let's imagine he's blind. So this guy doesn't know what we are just what we've just done here. Okay. Can you read that? Okay. Don't oh, don't speak. Out, he might hear you. <laughs> I said he's only blind, not deaf. Can you see that? Hmm? What is it? <laughs> My dear, right? <clears throat> right. Where is he? Where is he going? He's, he's walking in this direction. Okay. Where is he going? 
Colombo. Okay, I will shut his plug his ears for a second. Right? Where is he going to? Colombo. Where is he walking away from? Candy. Right? Now, does this guy know where he's going? Does he know where he's walking away from? No. So, does he need to know? Does he need to know that he's walking towards Colombo to approach Colombo? That's right. But even not knowing that he's going to Colombo, if he continues walking, is he not going to arrive in Colombo? He will. He doesn't need to know that he's going to Colombo to arrive in Colombo. It's like you know when you're on a flight from one country to another country. If you are flying over lots of land, you know, lots of other countries, you don't need to know which all, what all the countries are that you're flying over to get to your destination, right? right? Otherwise, you'll have to first learn the world map before you get on a flight. Right? So this guy is walking in this direction. He doesn't need to know that he's walking towards Colombo. He doesn't need to know that he's walking away from Candy to get to Colombo or to move away from, you know, distance himself from Candy. That knowledge is not something that he needs to possess. So then what is Colombo and what is Candy then? They are simply separations that you and I, we have come to, see this guy didn't know, but that's why we plugged his ears before we discussed this, right? We bestowed on on ourselves the power to separate this bit of land, this road. There were no separations. Before these came into being, could he not just walk? No one interfered. No one said he was walking away from Candy or to Colombo. Nothing. Right now, without his knowing, we went in there. We we put these posts or these boats, name boats, and said, right, this is Candy. This is now Colombo. And now we're saying he's walking away from Candy and he's walking towards Colombo. That is simply a convention. Has this road now permanently become Candy and Colombo? Could we not say for the next day, Go and take that board out. Take this out. And say, now call this candy. And that Colombo. Can we not do that? Can we not do that? We can do that, right? And now he's still, he's, he's still walking. Because he doesn't know what, what's going on. He's still walking. And now he's, you'll say, now he's walking towards candy. Not Colombo. This separation is simply a conventional separation. These separations are useful in our day-to-day lives because it helps us to communicate things. It helps us to say what's going on in this world because we are really interested in what's going on in this world. But the world does not need such things to operate. This man's walking has no connection, has no relation to this being candy, Colombo, or Colombo candy, whatever. He's just walking on a road. You know, we can make this the candy, this is now the candy road, we can make this the Jaffna road. How do we do that? (laughs) Exactly, that's what we need to do, see? Now it's the Jaffna road, now it's the A9. That's what we had to do. So these these separations are simply conventions. Do we need to expel, get rid of all these conventions? No, we don't need to do that. We use them to live. We use them to get by. We use them to you know, live a convenient and a comfortable life. But we need to understand that these separations that we have come up with are simply conventional separations. These are not things that are fixed or permanent separations. 
because nothing in this world is really permanently separated from anything. Just like you looked at your hand a moment ago and said, this is my right hand. That sentence is incomplete. Do you know? If I ask you, what is this? Next time you must answer, this is my right hand for now. What is this hand? Huh? Left hand? For now. What is this then? This is my face? For now. Really what's going on is, a journey is being made. This is all in a, on, a, on a constant journey that you are not cognizant of. The particles that make up your body are on a journey. Just like this man is on a journey on a road, on a stretch of road. You have decided to call this configuration of matter face. You decided to do that. You have decided to call this configuration of matter a hand. It hasn't stopped there. It's in motion or still, even at this moment in time, it's changing, evolving into something else. But you have chosen because of convenience to call it a hand. Because in, in a while, maybe in 15, 20, 30, 60, 100 years time, this is going to be an apple tree. So really, this is in the process of becoming an apple tree. It never wanted to be your hand. It's just on a journey to becoming an apple tree. You have decided to call it your hand. Therefore, the right answer is, this is my hand for now. Who is that, madam? Yes, yes, go on. My daughter, for now. Hmm? My daughter, for now. So who is this, though? My mother, for now. I'm not saying that, you know, she's talking about in the next birth, she's going to be something else. That's not what I'm telling her. Put aside next birth stuff for a moment. Uh, we don't talk about that stuff. Now, this is a science class. Right? So I can only talk to you about things that you have the power to comprehend. I'm not going to talk to you A-level science while you're still in grade five. Right? Yes, rebirth can be proved to Buddhism. And I have managed to do that. But we'll come to that later. Don't need to rush through things. There are more important things to worry ourselves about. Like, how do we get ourselves from suffering, whether rebirth exists or not? You know, even for someone who does not believe in rebirth, my proposal is, let's not, yeah, okay, fine, rebirth does not exist. You're going to die after this. But in the you know, life that you have left, how about you live a happy life? And so then the sooner you start, the better, right? Because if you intend to live a good, fulfilling life, full life, right? And you are now, what, say 20, and you want to live until you're 60. Well, you've got 40 more years. Live a happy life. Let's not worry about rebirth. Okay, fine, no rebirth. But live a happy life. Because once you start to work towards that goal, everything else will set in place nicely. Because we are here to solve this problem right now. We're not trying to solve a problem that starts to come to us later. Because this, oh, it's gone. That thought process, we are talking about what happens right now. At this moment in time, jati. That those two processes that run in parallel. One, which allows you to experience things that are going on in this world. Sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. And the second process, which goes into that vexation mode, 
goes into insanity mode and brings about this mani manifests this sense of I am. Excuse me. This sense that you are separate, you are a separate individual, you are an entity that is separate from everyone else. That process is problematic. That is the problem. Such a process only brings you suffering. I have proved this time and time again to you before. Because you feel that you are an individual, every other problem becomes your problem. When you, get, when you wound yourself, now you are suffering because I am wounded. When mother dies, now you are suffering because my mother died. Mother died, fine, but how did that become my mother? If your house was bombed, right? Like there's a war going on, right? Two countries. Now I hear that you know, some people they, they weep, they cry, you know, they you know they're almost torturing themselves because they can't bear the pain of what's going on. You know, houses get bombed and you know things collapse and you know it's just mayhem. Fair enough, I understand what's going there, going on there. But the thing is, it was not the bombs that brought them suffering. It is their ignorance. So it's not Russia or Ukraine who's wrong here. Ignorance and attachment are wrong. Because when the house collapses, you know, bomb struck, house collapses, someone there feels that's my house. That's the problem. Yes, they need a house. You know, this body needs a house. But my doesn't need a house. They doesn't need to have a belonging. That sense of belonging is what causes a problem here. That's when old age becomes a problem to you. Like if you are now thinking to yourself, I'm old now, look at me. I'm aging. I don't like this. That's because you feel that you are aging. There's a process, there's a process that's running in the back of your mind. That's that number two process that makes you feel that you are an entity, you are an individual that gives, that gives you that sense of, sense of self. This sense of self is the reason that all this suffering come and haunt you night and day. What we are trying to do here is to get, stop that process from, from taking place. How does that happen? Because of ignorance. What ignorance? Your ignorance that it's a separate process and your ignorance that it's a separate process which runs in parallel to the process that is not of any problem, not of any suffering, that does not bring, up, bring about any suffering. It is your ignorance of that and your ignorance that this separation is, is, is joyful, this separation is essential, this, this separation is pleasurable. That is, this, that is the ignorance that brings about this suffering, that brings about this jati. So what we are trying to do is to stop that. So all our efforts are towards that. So what we need to do is just keep going at it until we can achieve it. I must admit though that it will take a lot of practice. Right, listening to one sermon is not going to help you get there. This will take a great deal of practice. So while you are awake, Walking about, doing things, eating, sleeping. Well, you can't do it while you're sleeping. You know, eating, washing, driving. Whenever you're doing anything, ask yourself this question. Do I feel that I'm doing this? Hmm? If you feel that you're doing it, there's a problem. That second process is active. At that, at that point, remind yourself what we discussed in this classroom. 
what we discussed in this sermon. This cannot be an I that's doing it. This is a process that's running. A computer never feels that it's it that's doing it. It's a process. That's why a computer does not cry when it gets things wrong. It'll only do what it's programmed to do. But a computer does not get a heartache. It does not suffer. Because a computer or a robot does not feel a sense of self. Because it's a sense of self, therefore, which is responsible for all kinds of suffering. Okay? I want to, I want to say more about this and give you more examples, but today's, and now is not the time for it, because I need to let you go now. From next week, we have ourselves the luxury of one and a half hours, so we can take our time. And you know, I realize I'm rushing through some of these things, and I'm not helping you when I'm doing that. This, this is probably one of the most challenging concepts to get our heads, heads around. And me rushing through it is, is not ideal. But you have the luxury of listening to Guru Swami Nuhansi's sermon as well as the morning sermon. So this is helpful. But, you know, of course, there are people online for whom this is the only resort that they have. Uh, so I think from next week, because we have the time, we'll walk through a few more examples and take it you know, a bit slower and at a better pace for all. Okay? Right. So let us quickly do a transfer of merits and bring today's sermon to a close. First and foremost, let us take a moment to transfer the merits that we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, chanting Pirit, listening to the Dhamma, and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. Let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching, and with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasakas and upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Tripitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand, and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us transfer the merits we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters, who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us transfer these merits to Guru Swami Nuhansi, as well as all the teachers resident at this monastery, as well as the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these sermons, sharing them out with others, or inviting others to join them, and may through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plain, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain, May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transmit we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits, who for the sake of merits, continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery, to those of you who have provided the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes, and medicines, as well as those who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well-wishes. May to the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold part, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers, fathers, husbands, and wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews, and nieces, 
our elders, friends and acquaintances, employees and employees, and to all those who have helped, supported and assisted us in any way, shape or form. And by the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sad, sad, sad. Let us take a moment to transform to the devas and brahmas, spirits and demons, primarily the Sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Sambhuta Sasana. Let us transform to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may through the power of these merits they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transmit this to our ancestors who have predeceased us, and to all who have been our families, friends, and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey, and those who <coughs> helped, supported, and assisted us in every way, shape, or form they could. Let us transmit this to the members of the armed forces, as well as the police force, who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nation. May all those who have helped us, supported us, and assisted us, <clears throat> as well as anyone who might have lost their lives in the war, be their friend or foe, rejoice in the mess that we have acquired today. Let us also transfer ministry to those who have lost their lives in natural calamities, such as the tsunamis, earthquakes, landslides, pandemics, forest fires, and so on, reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in Sansara. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits to them. May to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us all resolve that may to the power and blessings of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of arahants on this blessed land. And finally, May to the power of all the merits that we have all acquired today, you and I, and everyone who's helped make this program a success, become an Arahatun Mohanse or an Arahateranin Mohanse in this very life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself. Sad, sad, sad. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all. Members of the Mahasangha will now transfer their blessings to you.
ಸುಖೇನ್ ಸುಖಿತ ಸಾಧು ಸಾಧು ಸಾಧು